Hello everyone, hope you are doing well. Welcome to episode number eight of Love is Your Medicine podcast. Today I'll be talking on the subject, you have a choice. Every day we're confronted with uh, different circumstances different challenges, different obstacles. We have a choice to make. What am I talking about? Well, stick around and let's get into this subject on episode number eight. Hello again, and welcome to Love is Your Medicine podcast. I am Mitch Wright, your host for the uh, next few moments. I appreciate you uh, tuning in, listening to another episode. We are at episode number eight. It's already the middle of January. I can't believe that time is just moving right along. Time stops for no one. Uh, you may have noticed I missed a week in releasing episode number eight. Ah, it's just been busy and hectic, a lot going on uh, in our lives lately, so... I needed a week to kind of clear my head, take some mental time for myself to uh, just regroup, reassess, refocus. Nothing wrong with doing it. Uh, we all need to do that from time to time. So I always want <clears throat> the information I bring to you to be of use, of value. So, yeah. I just needed to take a week for myself to uh, make sure that my next episode would be uh, a good one. After all, you're taking time out of your busy schedule or uh, giving me the opportunity to talk to you about things that's on my mind. And like I said, I hope that uh, you find value in it. So you have a choice. I was thinking over the weekend what I wanted to talk about next. And I think this is something that always stands out to me. Um, Each one of us individually has a choice that we make. And okay, yeah, we have different choices every day. You know, what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? Uh, What are we going to do later on? What am I doing after work? But I'm talking about deeper choices. Uh, For instance, say you were raised, uh, you know, you endured abuse when you were younger. How does that affect you now? Uh, How did it mold you? Did it mess with your thinking? 
uh, with how you treat others, maybe even your spouse or your children. You know, what if you grew up in a, a not so great environment? Does that mold you or, or keep you in neutral? Or do you make choices to change that? So that's what I'm referring to. <clears throat> Excuse me. On this episode, you have a choice. Uh, because let's face it, many of us, if not all, you know, either, <clears throat> excuse me, where we grew up or who we grew up around. It may not have been the greatest circumstances. Uh, we may not have had the greatest opportunities. You know, and some people uh, that stays with them, the anger, the bitterness. And when you hold on to uh, all that negativity and the anger and the bitterness, is going to show up in your life every day. It's going to matter uh, when it comes to your relationships, family, uh, your workmates, your classmates. <clears throat> so it, it's things that we have to work through throughout our life. Uh, some people get in negative situations and they just keep their mind there in that state of negativity but it takes effort it it's a fight every day to get your mind space where it needs to be um, and that's on a positive uh, level <clears throat> excuse me I have like a little frog in my throat today the weather isn't helping um so like, yeah, like I mentioned on my first episode, I was born in Chicago. So even though um, my parents, they try to keep us in a, a environment where we could do good, um, my siblings and I, there were still things around us um, that were negative. You know, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. And, you know, some spots can be, they were rough. Um, you know, bad environments, bad people, crime, gangs. So in 1977. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun. We moved from kind of like the inner city west side. And then we moved to an area um, more west uh, in Chicago. And we were the first, I, I want to say this is around 1975. I was five years old. I uh, just started kindergarten. So we moved to this block that was a little more west of the city. And we were the first uh, black family on that street. So the first night we're there, uh, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through our window and we had double paned windows and the police, uh, when they came out, they said the flame, you know, no doubt went out 
between the uh, two panes of glass. So it went through the first uh, pane of glass and then flame probably went out, but then it came through the second uh, pane of glass and landed in our living room. So, you know, I'm young. I don't really fully understand what's going on. I just know that there's a bunch of police, uh, Chicago police, coming in and out of our apartment. And this is, you know, like late at night. Um, Later on, as I grew up, my parents was telling me that, um, because I don't know how familiar you are with Chicago, but they were like race riots uh, in the 60s. And so, you know, there was still tension between the races. So my parents, excuse me, my parents said not only did the police come, uh, but there was an FBI agent that came and also um, some members of the NAACP. So it was just like this huge ordeal. Uh, But we stayed and... You know, eventually we got to know some of the neighbors, Um, you know, and I I looked at how my parents dealt with it. You know, they, um, of course, it was unsettling, but that didn't stop how we lived our life. And we we stayed there uh, for a couple of years. And then, like I said, in 1977, Excuse me. We moved um, to a suburb out just right outside of Chicago called Maywood. So we moved to Maywood and it was more uh, African-Americans there, but it was still like a mixed community. But I I think back to that event uh, when I was five and. You know, later in life, and as I tell you this. Um, it played a part in my my thinking and my mindset. That event that happened uh, in our apartment when I was f- uh, five years old. So we lived in the, the suburb of Maywood. Um, moved there in '77. Then in 1983, my father's job moved us to Houston, Texas. Totally, you know, a, a different environment uh, you're, you're going from just a, a predominantly a black area <clears throat> to down south we're in the southwest in Houston and for the most part it was you know it was, it was good I knew uh, just from talking to people we met and knew and you know some friends it was a part of Houston that we stayed away from, uh, which was east. Uh, just the like the extreme east part of Houston, we kind of steered clear. But again, my parents, uh, like they always wanted to do, they kept us in a mixed community. They always wanted us to be able to get along with anyone, which was great. You know, it, it just, I feel that helps a person in life. Um, when they're used to just getting along with anyone. So Houston was where I, we lived there. Um, 
I was 13 when we moved there. And when I was 19, uh, my father's job, they wanted to move us to Atlanta. And that's how we came uh, to be in Atlanta. So we lived in the suburbs west of Atlanta. It was about 20 miles west of Atlanta. So this was a predominantly white area, rural you know, most of the area was rural, so they kind of even moving there. <clears throat> we knew a family from Houston and they were kind of telling us about the area and. Um, the sheriff there didn't have the best of reputations uh, when it came to dealing with other races, but. You know, we had been through so much being in Chicago and Houston. So, you know, we, we're just going to live our lives as normal. So I remember I got a, um, my first car was a Mustang and it was like a, a flashy Mustang. It was when I saw it, I fell in love with it. It was, uh, in the showroom and it was a black car, had a gold racing stripe up the middle at gold rims, you know, so it was just all decked out. First car. So when I get it, my father told me, he was like, I just want you to be careful when you're driving, especially at night. Make sure, you know, you, you don't speed. Just, you know, just be careful. And I'm like, oh, what's no big deal what's gonna happen you know this city is like compared to where we're from this is small you know no no problem so he just kind of looked at me was like okay just be careful I didn't really pick up what he was putting down so one night we're leaving our uh, religious meeting and I, you know, I drove along my family. They, uh, the three of them were in their car. I was in my Mustang and we're headed home. I was going to, I think I was going to, uh, like McDonald's or something before I went home. So I'm going down one of the main streets of the city we live in and I'm going 35 and the speed limit is 35. I'm listening to, um, some old school hip hop, just having a good time. And as a, I noticed a police car going the opposite direction. And like I said, I'm not worried. I'm not speeding or anything. But we kind of made eye contact and I kept driving. Look in my mirror and he flips a U-turn. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. He shoots up behind me, turns on his lights. I pull in the um, parking lot, like right next to a gas station. And I just kind of already know this, you know, from experience, I don't get anything until they get up to the car. My window is down. We acknowledge each other. And, you know, of course, he's asking for license, registration. And I let them know, you know, OK, my license is in my pocket. I'm going to get it. And then my registration is in the glove box. He's like, OK, get it. And, you know, he's shining his flashlight, watching what I'm doing. So the car is so new that I still just had all the paperwork 
from the uh, point of sale and the registration was in there. So I give him uh, my license, all that paperwork. He just tells me he'll be back. The whole while I'm just, you know, it's, it's kind of weird the way he approached me, the way he his mannerisms, the way he's looking at me, the way he's talking to me. I felt uncomfortable, but I'm glad that I pulled over in a public area on a big uh, four lane highway. So after a few minutes, I see his flashlight coming back. He he didn't even hand my things back to me. He threw them on my lap, turned his flashlight off, walked away, got back in his car and drove off. No explanation or anything. I was livid, you know, and then it hit me. My father's words. Be careful. Then it made sense. See, my father, he came up in a time in uh, Mississippi. Uh, You know, he was born in the 40s, but then he was a teen in the 50s in Mississippi. So they went through just a lot. They saw a lot. They had to deal with a lot. Um, He said it was just a scary time. I know you have probably heard of like Emmett Till, uh, you know, getting uh, killed for what was later found out to be a lie. And he got murdered, taken from his family and murdered. You know, that was in Mississippi. So my father just came up in a different time. So when he was telling me to be careful, that's when it hit me. That's what dad meant. You're in a totally different environment from what you're used to. You're going to have to be extra careful how you handle yourself, how you move around. So that occasion stuck with me. Just, I would say I was letting it go, but it festered and I would be upset. Uh, so then we fast forward a little bit more. And, you know, I'm at this point, I'm married uh have my son and so I'm working at a job uh I started working at a job locating underground utilities and it was a it was a nice job you know it had a company vehicle uh I got to be outside a lot my office was basically um the vehicle that I worked from a lot of driving um so it was a fun job Eventually, I moved up the branch manager. He and I got along very well. Eventually, I get bumped up uh, to a lead. And in that company, a lead was right under a supervisor. So the su- my supervisor, you know, great guy. Uh, we got along very well. Uh, we teased each other a lot about our different cultures. Uh, you know, cause he, he was a Caucasian. And, um, you know, we had a nice time. We liked each other. Branch manager. We had a good time. I get in uh, some days after work from being out in the field. And he and I would just talk uh, 15 minutes, half an hour, just talking and laughing. So, you know, it, it was great. I got promoted to a lead. I was a lead for about, 
I would say about two months. This gentleman moved um, from another state. I want to say Kentucky or Arkansas, somewhere like that. And he was on he was in, in our team. But he threw the hugest fit daily. Because he did the same type of work where he moved from, but he was a, su- a supervisor. He felt like he had more experience than me, more qualifications, and he was very vocal about it. You know, he would tell me that all the time. And yeah, I saw him in the branch manager's office sometime. Other coworkers would tell me he was always talking to uh, our supervisor. You know, about the same thing day in and day out. He was more qualified. Why am I the lead? He should be the lead. Do you know? In about a month after that. They demoted me back. uh, To just a regular technician. And he became lead. Again, I was livid. You know, I went to my supervisor and he's heing and hawing and oh, go, go talk to the branch manager. I didn't really agree with it, but, you know, just keep on chugging along. That's what he told me. So I go talk to the branch manager and he couldn't even look me in the eyes. And basically he just said, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you're a great uh, worker. It is what it is. Just keep working hard. So. Again, I'm livid. Here's another thing under my belt uh, where it's negative about race. And I'm just not saying it's I'm not throwing out the race card. I heard things that he said about me behind my back. uh, The guy that moved from out of state with him, it was very race related. The things that he said. And I, you know, I brought it up to my supervisor. I brought it up to the branch manager. And they just kind of gave me the, you know, we're, we're going to sweep it under the rug. You can either keep working or find employment elsewhere. So, again, this is something that's in the back of my head. I try to let it go, but it's festering. And, you know, it. I got to the point where I was always uh, being negative about it. Um, and I wasn't brought up that way to, to feel a certain type of way about any race. You know, we're the human race. All bleed red. We're all imperfect. We all get sick. We can all die. So... I wasn't raised to think that one race was superior than another one. But because of negative things that happened in my life, you know, starting from the age of five and and then things in Houston and then things in Georgia, you know, it, it affected me. I went to a job interview and, you know, I really wanted this job and this, this is in Georgia still. And I've been told that I sound totally different, you know, on on the phone. Like some people are surprised when they see me. So I I had a uh, sent them my application, 
had a phone interview. And phone interview with the general manager went well. So he said, okay, next step is an in-person interview. We set that up. Both of us are excited to meet face to face. I walked in, told the receptionist, you know, who I was, why I was there. <clears throat> she she just kind of looked at me. She called the uh, general manager, said I was there. And, you know, she used my name. So he said, oh, I'll be right up. I have a seat. He comes out where I'm waiting. He looks at me and he looks around. He's like, well, where is he? And she was like, that's him right there. And he was like, oh. And we had the interview. We went, I went back to his office with him. And he even told me, he was like, I was not expecting uh, to see you. And I didn't, you know, I know what he's talking about. So I played silly. I'm like, what do you mean? You you weren't expecting to see, like, what what are you talking about? And he didn't want to answer my question, but I knew good and well what he was talking about. Uh, you know, because I've had people tell me before that some people, they just say I sound white on the phone. And then my name, my last name, you know, they just not expecting me and that's for you know some people not everyone but you know that stuck with me too needless to say I did not get the job <laughs> I didn't even figure I would you know halfway through the interview I even told myself I was like you are not getting this job even though you know on the phone interview I was highly qualified he just needed to meet me in person so again, I had something negative that was stuck in my head. And then when we get away from those type of uh, instances, uh, situations, then, you know, I have other things in my past, uh, things I mentioned in episode three, you know, about uh, being hurt by someone I used to love, you know, as a relative that's in my mind and again you know you try to let it go try to put it behind me but it's still festering you know so I have all these negative things and I'm not even telling you all the um, great experiences because of the color of my skin that I had in Georgia but you know again it is what it is. Not holding any grudges now. Uh, I'm in a much better space uh, mentally about all of that. But for a while, it did affect me uh, a great deal. It affected how I looked at myself. It affected how I treated others. You know, um, and I did and said things that I was not proud of. Because like I said, I wasn't raised to not like a specific race. You know, I was raised to love everyone. Um, and that's a big part of my faith. You know, God is not uh, partial to one race 
or um, you know ethnicity. And that's what he wants and expects of us uh, to be the same way. So, uh, you know, that would weigh on my mind, too. Um, the way I was treating people, the way I was talking to people. You know, just mean and rude was because of how bitter I was at different experiences in my life. So I, I had to have just alone hard talk with myself you know and that's what it takes to realize that we have a problem somewhere be honest with ourselves and take steps uh, to fix it to rectify it so as I always say things don't happen overnight you know we, we have to take things day by day so I had to make a choice to be different. Yes, I grew up in, you know, some situations weren't ideal. You know, with what I saw, with what I was around, I went to school with gang members. Um, and that was, that's totally hard because I'm going to school certain people who you know they're affiliated with one gang other people uh, relatives and friends they're associated with another gang and you you know you have all this these outside influences you know telling you, you better not hang with this gang you better not you know be seen with that gang and it's you know these are violent people uh you know, I had to deal with that. One day I'm walking to school. Me and my friend and this, uh, I would say, you know, a teen, he was, he had to be like 17 or 18. And he's yelling on the side of a house, uh, to his friend, his friend comes to the window, lifts it up. Like, what do you want? And he was like, Hey, I need that piece. And, you know, me and my friend, we're young. We're like in third or fourth grade and we're just walking real slow looking at him. And he's like, OK, I'll be right back. And he comes back with a, a pistol and just drops it to him. And was like, I need it back tonight. And then they kind of looked at us and we just like turned our heads straight, kept walking. And, you know, they yelled something like, yeah, you better keep walking. You know, these are the, the things, some of the things that I saw. I've seen people get, you know, beat with sticks and like motorcycle chains you know we little kids walking to school and these are some of the things we saw um and then you know I have that type of those type of uh memories I have the memories of people you know uh whatever hangups they have against race uh, projecting that against me or loved ones, you know, I have I have those memories, and it's just all of these things, and they can make you bitter. Uh, they can make you not like people or treat people mean. They can make you prejudge people. And, you know, you get in, you might slip into that mindset of that's how they all are, 
you know, no matter what group we're talking about. And, you know, that's that's not how it should be. So I had to have some serious, you know, fixing in my head uh, mentally. You know, to realize everyone is not like that. They are sad to say there are bad people in every race, every ethnicity. Uh, we have to find the good in everyone if we can't or if they're not a positive person or positive influence then we have to get rid of them in our lives but I had to make the choice to like every day find positive things like yes you've had some negative things happen you've had negative things said to you you know I've been called the n-word before Um, but I'm not gonna let that define who I am I'm not going to be this forever angry person just mad at the world. You know, that, that's just not me. It's not who I am, but that's who I started to slowly become. And it affected uh, relationships. You know, it re- affected my inner peace, my inner happiness. And when you're in that headspace, you're just not going to do well in life. You know, things are going to suffer. Relationships are going to suffer. You are suffering. And what's the name of my podcast? Love is your medicine. So, you know, that's one of the ways we can care for ourselves and love ourselves. It's by the choices we make, how we choose to live our life. You know, when negative things happen, how do you respond? Do you stay in that headspace, in a self-pity or negative headspace, and let that dictate your life? Or do you make the choice to be different? If you've been raised, say, in an abusive environment when you were young, you have a choice. You know, I've had I've known people on both sides of the coin. I've had people that say this is how I was raised and it's how I'm going to raise my children in a, you know, a harsh, abusive environment. And then I've known people uh, that say I was raised in an abusive environment. I did not like it. I would never put my children through that I choose to even if I do get upset or angry to not physically harm my children I choose not to say things that will hurt them emotionally or mentally mentally you know they make the choice to be different because we all have choices we can either Continue the cycle of negativity of things that happen to us. Or we can make that change. We can be that change. Uh, you know, to where we say it stops here. And I choose to live in a, a positive way. You know, I want to be remembered as a positive person. Someone who helped people, not hinder people. So 
that's what I was getting at when I said we all have choices to make. And believe me, I know it's not easy to, you know, forget things. In a way, we all, so we can't dwell on them, on negative thoughts, but, you know, sometimes we need to remember. You know, it's a, a phrase I always like to uh, say that I heard before. Um, you, you know, you have to know where you come from so you can see where you're at. So we each were molded and influenced by certain things in our lives, positive and negative. So it's up to us to decipher all of that and let it build us, uh, you know, builds negative things. What did you learn from them? What can you do to be different? How can you change or how can you make changes to not be like that? You know, I know a lot of uh, people in, like in Chicago and the big cities and urban areas. They feel they're stuck uh, in that environment. They don't give us anything. Nothing can help us. Nothing can be done. And they continue cycles of violence or uh, cycles of abuse. And they feel stuck. And that's a sad situation. Uh, because we all have choices we can make to make changes, to uh, change our environment. And again, it's not easy, but it can be done. I know a lot of people who've changed circumstances and their environment uh, to better themselves. So whatever we're doing, uh, whatever you're doing, make good choices. You don't have to feel stuck um, in negativity. Because take it from me, it's, you know, it's not a good place to be. Nothing comes good from uh, negativity or uh, just being angry and mad all the time. And remember, too, we can't control other people. We can only control ourselves. So if someone is stuck in a negative way of life, you're going to have to cut them out. You know, it's that simple. I've already told Michelle, like, 2024 is my year of no nonsense. You know, if something or someone is just a negative influence or is not making sense, I'm done. I'm cutting it out. I have a lot of things I have to focus on this year. Um, with family and business, this podcast. So it's, I have goals. And so I have no time for negativity from outside sources or myself. You know, so make choices that are positive, that benefit you. And take it from me, don't get stuck in 
a negative mindset, especially from things that have happened to you in your past or things that might be happening to you currently. Uh, you have the choice to make the necessary changes that you need to. So I hope that this has helped you. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, I'd like to hear from you. My email address is Mitch at themitchwright.com. And you can also find me on social media, um, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at Love Is Your Medicine Podcast. So I would like to hear from you and hear any comments or feedback. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and have found value in it. Uh, think about what choices you make. Think of it if there are any choices that uh, you can do differently or that you need to make changes to do differently. Um, think of positive things that you can do um, for any negative aspects in your life now. You know, it's all about uh, discovering what needs to be done and putting a plan together uh, to make changes. So that's what I challenge you to do uh, today and this week is to think about any choices you need to make, uh, even the hard choices to uh, create positivity and to keep and maintain positivity in your life. So I wish you a great day, a great week. Go and do great things.